So I always wanted to be a writer as a child even. But I don't know that as a child I really realized that that would involve writing a book. Like in a way I was kind of like I'm going to write stories and I might be a journalist. But I didn't really have writing a book in mind until I got older, like until I was in my 20s and I started working as a journalist. And then I was like, okay, now I want to write a book. That's Rosemary McCabe. I was thinking about this the other day. I think actually the idea of writing a book is so appealing from an ego point of view because I've been a writer now for nearly 20 years, as in I've been working as a writer and being paid as a writer. I worked first as a journalist at the Irish Times, then I freelanced for a while. I worked for magazines. I have a substack that I write for. So I've been able to call myself a writer now for almost two decades. But now that I've got a book coming out, I feel like I'm actually a writer. Rosemary's book is called This Is Not About You. In it, Rosemary examines her past relationships, one of which, plot twist, was with me. Plot twist, yeah. I'm Liam Garrity. It's time to meet your maker. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. Meet your maker. What's the allure of wanting to write a book or having a book? Because I'm not a writer and I want a book. You know what I mean? I think there's a certain kind of legitimacy it lends you as an expert on whatever you're writing about. And I think also in a weird way, it feels like, actually, you know what? This isn't weird. This is very human, I think. It feels like when you write a book, you have something tangible that is going to be left to say that you were here. Do you think think about that? Often, because that's something I think about a lot in terms of things being left behind for future generations and and that kind of like, and and I'm always trying to work it out why that even is beyond that, beyond the kind of like, oh, I write a book and maybe people in a few years will read it. I think it's a kind of an existential itch that we need to scratch in having a way of assuring ourselves that this isn't all there is. And I think when, I mean, I'm not a religious person, right? So I think a lot of religious people have that itch scratched by religion because they feel like they're going to a better place and they truly believe that. And I really envy them that knowledge. But I think for the rest of us, sometimes it feels like, oh God, what's the point? Like you live and you die and it makes no difference and there's no kind of imprint left behind. And I think there, you know, there are different ways that different people, obviously not everybody wants to write a book. I think there are different ways that different people think about that. And some people might think, you know, I want to have a big family and I want to raise them with certain values or other people think, you know, I want to really do good work and make a difference in the lives of others. And then other people, perhaps who are driven more by ego, like me, feel like I want to have something with my name on it left behind so that people can know I was here and know that I did something valuable with this one wild and precious life. And also so they can read about your sex life in like 300 years. (laughs) I actually, you know what? I was thinking about this earlier. Like, so the book that I've written is a memoir about dating and relationships. And there is a bit of sex in it, but it's very vanilla. I was like, I feel like even now, like kids in their 20s, kids in their 20s, people in their 20s, I sound ancient, who read this will be like, Jesus, like, like there's a bit where... I express kind of shock that a partner sticks his thumb in my bum. And it wasn't that I was like, 
it wasn't the anal play that I was necessarily shocked by. Sorry if this is too much now. You can you can you can beep that. It wasn't the bum stuff that I was shocked by, but it was just that he didn't really ask. I was like, that just came out of nowhere. But I feel like people reading it nowadays might be like, oh, that's like not a big deal. Well, p- people hearing that will probably be like, that's not a big deal as long as he asked for consent. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and he absolutely. I didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> Well, yeah, so you mentioned a little bit there about what the book is about. What is the book about and and why did you decide to go with this particular topic? So the book kind of came about when I started writing down the different experiences that I'd had with different men that I dated or slept with or met and basically like obsessed about whether I dated them or slept with them, uh, but, you know, imagined a relationship with them in my head. And like, I've always been somebody who's been very interested in having a boyfriend and really like I remember saying to somebody in in, sec- in secondary school even that I really liked having somebody to fancy because it gave me a sense of purpose coming into school that I was like you know and you're like oh I wonder if I'll see him today if we'll have any classes so my life has very much been I mean heavily influenced and marked by this like obsession with fancying boys and whether boys fancied me and I feel like it's really it's really made me who I am today for better or for worse. Like I think a lot of the decisions that I've made in life have been because of a boy I fancied or a boy I wanted to fancy me. And a lot of the kind of turns I've taken when I've come to a crossroads in life have been a lot of the time to do with my love life. I mean, it's like the most recent one when I moved to Fort Wayne, my sister was living here and she suggested, I mean, look, she's lived loads of places. She lived in Paris, New York, Dallas. I don't know why I didn't move to one of those, but she came to Fort Wayne and I was in a five-year relationship and it ended about maybe two years after she moved here and she said to me why don't you try and get a visa and come here for a year or two and it was the first time that I felt you know what I actually have no boyfriend and I have nothing uh, like stupid like that was the only thing tying me anywhere but I was like I don't have I don't have a boyfriend so I'm free like I can do whatever I want whereas before I would have been like no no I can't because I have a boyfriend and in that way I started writing down these essays and I was like wow like it, it really tells a story of how much I changed myself and how much I adapted myself and how much I really like just the work the work I put in to trying to be the woman for these different men and I thought it was a really interesting way of looking at a life I mean so far right so I started writing it kind of as a memoir but it's really my kind of my adult my coming into adult life told through the lens of the relationships that I had along the way well, now that you're married, this is probably not the kind of book that you want to write a sequel to anyway. <laughs> oh my God, a sequel would be so boring. <laughs> my God, can you imagine? It would be like, today we had our 57th fight about the laundry. <laughs> As I think about it, we used to fight about the laundry too. So I'm suddenly thinking, am I the problem? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we <laughs> the, did. The common denominator is me. <laughs> Something I'm very interested in, in this kind of personal writing is I read a lot of in indie comic books that is about people's lives. And I don't know what it is about independent comic books, but they also love writing about their sex lives a lot <laughs> and dating and stuff. And I love them. I love reading them. But I'm always like, oh, I could never do this. Like, how do they do this? How do they reveal these details? Are they not embarrassed? Will their parents not read? Will the people not mind? And so it's pretty much the same thing for your book like I mean I, I, I suppose knowing you I know that that's you've never really shied away from revealing anything about your life but as a person doing making writing a book like this how do you do it so 
to to answer your question, I mean, you you are correct. I don't have a lot of things about which I am embarrassed or ashamed or even that I feel like I should be private about, right? So in that way, it wasn't difficult for me to go, okay, you know, I'm going to write about this and I'm going to write it as honestly as I can within the parameters of my own memory, right? But I actually read out a chapter for, um, I have a podcast with my sister called Not Without My Sister and we released one of the chapters of the book in audio form on our Patreon. And as I was reading it out, I got to a part and I think actually I should have read the whole book out loud to myself because I think it would have helped me go, no, I don't actually want that out there. Because there's a line in it where I, where I say something like, his comb was still dripping down my leg. <laughs> right? And, and as I read out this line, I was suddenly like going, oh God. Like the list of people I don't want to read this book has suddenly become longer than two. And like originally it was just mom and dad, right? And then I was suddenly going, oh, I definitely don't want my Uncle Alan reading this. And I don't want my Uncle Niall reading this. And I probably don't want my Aunt Elizabeth reading this either. And I definitely don't want Brandon, my husband's dad, reading this because he also <laughs> bought a copy of the book. Yeah, I think maybe I should have read it out loud because there's something kind of comforting about writing things down. They don't seem so confronting as when you actually hear the words being said aloud. But I just, you know, um, I actually, I went to a talk by a Fort Wayne author named Ashley C. Ford a couple of months ago. And she mentioned something about shame and she was saying shame exists to keep someone else's secret and it's not the same thing as privacy so like privacy is something that's for you and shame is something that's for someone else because you're you know you fear their judgment or it's somebody else's secret that you're keeping and you feel ashamed and I just have never thankfully had to feel shame about any of my experiences. I mean, there are, listen, there's a lot of embarrassing moments in the book. And actually, as I finished it and I sent it to my sister first to read, I was going, are people going to like, do I just seem like an asshole? Because there's a lot like, especially in my younger years, there's a lot of just me really going out of my way to like land a man or to like, in, in, you know, ensure the prize of this guy being my boyfriend at the expense of my friends, like there's one part in the book where I talk about a guy who was kind of dating my friend. Now we were only kind of 13 or 14. So it was like very innocent dating, right? Was dating my friend. And then she went away on holidays and he started texting me. And I was so flattered. I was so, I mean, I was just so amazed at the idea that he would, in my mind, right? Choose me over her. Because I thought that she was like so much prettier than I was and so much thinner and so much more attractive to boys. And when he reached out to me, I was so flattered that I didn't even stop to go what an asshole. And like, I ended up dating him for six months. And like, while she was on holidays, and I write about this in the book, while she was on holidays, I called her parents on their mobile. So this must have been, what age was I? Like 16. So it would have been in 2001, right? Mobiles, they were, they were on roaming. Like, I called them on their mobile in Spain to tell them, like, can I talk to, to X? Can I talk to my friend and tell her that I'm now going out with her boyfriend? <laughs> like going out with the guy she thought was going to be her boyfriend do you know what I mean like, and so there are a lot of moments like that and like that was where I really kind of paused and went oh my god are people going to hate me but then I was also going without this I'm lying you know what I mean like I'm not telling the full truth if I'm not including these bits but like you said I suppose hopefully for yourself that you can see how you changed and evolved with each of the relationships yes yeah and I mean look like, that wasn't the first person that I started dating after my friend had dated them, like, in a way that I really shouldn't have. But 
I do think the next incident was slightly less bad. And you know what? Like, I do think, like, as I got older and there are definitely relationships where you can see me kind of going, okay, I'm not really going to put up with this. But then some of them, like, like there's one in particular where a guy that I was, like, mad about, I, and I don't know why, I was just mad about him. I think, like, I, I, we'd barely spoken four words. We'd, like, kind of gotten together one night when we were really drunk. And then we'd gone to the cinema once. And we'd gone for drinks another time. Like, I couldn't tell you four things about him. I could tell you probably two things about him. But I was mad about him. And I remember there was at one stage when I thought we were going to get together one weekend and we kind of loosely said that we'd meet and have drinks. And then he texted me eventually at about 3 a.m. and basically said, do you want to come back to my house to do some cocaine? (laughs) And I was outraged. I was so annoyed. I was like, literally like this, like, why do you think that this is how you can text me. Like, we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. I really, like, really, fa- I think I could be falling in love with you and this is how you treat me. And I literally was like, you know what? Delete my number. Right? I text him. And then in the book, I, I reveal that about three weeks later, I text him again. I was like, hey, listen, can we just start over? Like, <laughs> you know, because I, al- I almost had this moment where I had, like, evolved and become this person with a backbone. And then I was like, but no, I still really fancy him. So like there are moments like that as well where where I think it feels like I'm growing and then you realize actually, it, you know, like I'm never that far from going on a, like a rapid backslide. On the boyfriends themselves in terms of writing this book, you know, what's involved there? Do you need to change names? Do they need to read it? So there, there are two things. I mean, morally, right? Yes, I would say you need to change names and also to make them kind of as unrecognizable to their to your mutual friends as possible, unless the mutual friends already know the story. You know what I mean? Like if I'm telling a personal detail about somebody and, you know, it's about me, as in the book is called This Is Not About You, right? So like the point is, even if you get annoyed about this chapter, it's actually about me. It's not like it's not like the point isn't you, the man, the point is me. But so kind of trying to be as kind as possible and to spare them kind of embarrassment or shame or you know humiliation but legally there are two issues so there was the issue of defamation and then there's the issue of privacy so defamation is essentially if I defame you I say something about you that is untrue that lowers your estimation in the minds of right right thinking members of society that's the kind of rough legal definition a defense for defamation is truth. So if I can prove that something is true, I can prove that I haven't defamed you. But a lot of these things I couldn't prove, right? Like I can't prove that this guy liked to come on my face. I can just tell you that it happened. You know what I mean? And I can talk about, like I can I can go into detail about it, but I can't prove it. So truth wouldn't really work. It would be my word against them. So that was where it kind of came into changing names, changing details that weren't important so I might have changed dates or I might have changed links like if there's somebody I went to school with I might change it and say he was a friend of a friend or if there's somebody that I met at a party I might change it and say I met him at a gig just so the other people at that party won't go oh you know what that was that person and then the the privacy issue is that people who don't have kind of public personas are entitled to privacy so if somebody who is recognizable in the book took issue with me talking about our sex life they could technically take a case against me and the publisher for breaching their privacy so there was a very involved process I mean the lawyer so my publishing company 
hired a lawyer to do a read of it and to give us recommendations. And you should have seen, they literally were like every third line. It was like, this is problematic. This is problematic. This is problematic. <laughs> so what we did was we took a kind of two pronged approach. The, there were a handful of men that I'm still kind of in touch with and on good terms with. And I contacted them and sent them their chapters to go, is this okay with you? And they all came back and said, yes, one of them wanted some things changed that actually were not important to the content necessarily. But I think he felt that they made him look bad. So that wasn't really a big issue. It was like, oh, like, I didn't even think about that detail. Grant, gone. Then the ones that I didn't approach, because I was like, they're just going to say, no, fuck off, you bitch. Or also, <laughs> I was also afraid that they'd be like, who? Like, sorry? Like, <laughs> like, didn't I kiss you once at a party? And I'm like, yeah, but in my mind, we then went on to get married and have kids. And so the ones that I didn't approach, yeah, I went through and went, okay, how can I make sure that either I'm not disclosing something that could be considered like a breach of privacy or that you're not recognizable? And I think that, oh, I hope that in the end we achieve that. But I'm also feeling perhaps falsely confident that living in the United States, nobody's going to get me. Like nobody's going to extradite me for that. So I think I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> I got to read my chapter. And I think you did. I think you said that me and Brandon, your husband, are the only two people who get got to keep their names. Yes, yeah, you're the only two people who got to who got to keep your identities. And I, I suppose in a weird way, who got to then for the book to kind of be about you too. Like you're the only two men who I would say, you know, the title, like this is not about you, kind of about you cause, because your name is in there, right? But your chapter, I mean, you got off lightly. Your chapter was incredibly <laughs> nice. Well, but also because we had an incredibly amicable breakup. We stayed friends afterwards. We had, you know, a few hairy moments in between the breakup and, and the staying friends. But like, I feel like your chapter, I mean, you, like you could technically have, have objected if I'd put in kind of purian details, but I didn't really, did I? No. And I feel like, I feel like at some point in the future, I, when the book is published, I could make a Tinder bio and tell people that if they would like to find out more information about what it's like to be in a relationship with me, they can reference this book, chapter, whatever. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Or they can contact me and I'll tell them the bits that I didn't put in the book. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, what's the what's the what's the thing? Tell me one thing that you were gonna put in the book, um, in my chapter that you couldn't, and you can say whatever you like because I'm gonna bleep it. Oh well, I no, you know what? There was there was nothing really like. <laughs> there was. I, I possibly no 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 no, but I'm but but I was gonna say I possibly could have gone into more detail about you being bi. Right. And you being the first person I dated that, to my knowledge, wasn't straight. Although actually in college, I did sleep with two men who later turned out to be gay, but I didn't know about it at the time. But I think like I could have gone into detail about that, but it just didn't really feel like that was the point, if you know what I mean. Um, And I mean, I could have talked about you and your. <laughs> but I decided to leave that out. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for that. How will you feel when you obviously already have some copies of the book, but how will you feel when it's, oh, you have it there beside it's, you? It's smaller than I thought it was going to be. Did you dedicate it to anyone? Oh, yeah. Do you want me to read it to you? Do you want me to spoil it for you? Yeah. It says, okay. To okay. Liam. No. It says, to my mom, who will hate this. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. Because she already, so she was on to me yesterday and she said, um, 
listen, I was wondering, what can I tell people your book is about? It's like, honestly, the last, like the last minute, it's coming out in two weeks. I've been working on this book for five years and now she's like, what can I tell? And I said, well, it's about, I was like, mom, it's a memoir and it's about my life so far through the relationships and through the people I've dated. She goes, oh, relationships. She goes, Somebody asked me the other day and I had to say sex and I was mortified. <laughs> And then I asked her, was she planning on reading it? And she said, no. She's like, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I'm not reading it. And then my dad said that he's planning a, a ritual book burning in the back garden <laughs> for when their copies arrive. But actually, that's a that's a kind of a weird thing because Brandon has also said he's not going to read it, right? Because I think he's just like, why would I want to read about my wife's former relationships? And while I totally understand that standpoint, and I don't know that I would read his memoir about dating right I don't know that I would like to because I mean anytime I ask him about like have you ever gone out with somebody but and he tells me then I'm like Ugh, I can't believe you did that I can't believe it like or like we'll be walking through Target and I'm like oh have you dated her like <laughs> she's someone you dated <laughs> so I totally understand him not wanting to read it but at the same time I was slightly offended that I was like god I can't believe you're not going to support my work by reading my book and I feel the same way about my parents like I don't really want them to read it although there aren't you know what like I'm talking about it now like it's like outrageously horny and it's not like there are mentions of sex but most of the time it's about relationships and it's about dating and it's about like I said the ways in which I changed myself and like tried to fit myself into the molds that I felt these men were kind of setting up for me to fit into that like I felt they weren't setting them up this is all in my head you know what I mean like what I thought they wanted so it's not even that much about sex but yeah I'm kind of don't want my parents to read it and then I'll go I'm going to be offended if they don't so very conflicted how will you feel how will you feel when it's actually out oh god i actually feel like so that day that it comes out right i'm sure i'm going to be on the edge of my seat like waiting for people to get it waiting for people to start reading it waiting to hear if they have like what they have to say about it i'm also really really curious about if the men who are in it will read it, what they will think and how I will cope with not knowing what they think. And then on the other hand, I'm like, if any of them do get in touch with me to go, I read your book and I have, you know, I have something to say about it, whether it's good or bad. I think I'll be dreading that as well. But I hate the idea that they're going to read it and I'm not going to know what they what they think about it. But no, like in general, I'm I'm really nervous. I think I'm mostly nervous above anything else that people will think it's really badly written. Um, I don't think it's really badly written. I hope it's not. But I'm very nervous that it will just be considered to be bad, to be a bad book. And then I feel like, how will I ever write anything again? <laughs> well, this is a very... <laughs> you know summer, what I mean, though. Summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I do. Yeah. Because this will be like the, the, I suppose, the biggest piece of writing that I've ever put out in the world. the, And also the most personal. And I feel as though if people hate it and and hate how it's written and, and also hate the, the me that's portrayed in it. Sorry, as I say this out loud, I'm like, what? A, like, not only will I not be able to write, I won't be able to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> My publicist did get an email the other day asking for a photograph to accompany a review that's going in an Irish newspaper. And when I tell you now, I'm in a state of high anxiety. <laughs> like my, my Google alert is set to like four times a day. Let me know if my name appears anywhere because I'm so nervous about what it's going to say. And I was saying to somebody the other day, like, obviously, I'm hoping that it's going to be good. Right. But the other 
the other best, like the second best case scenario is if it's a bad review, I hope it's really, I hope it's like a proper hatchet job. I hope it's going like, this is the worst book you'll ever read because I feel like that makes people want to read it. Do you know what I mean? If they're like, this is like terribly written and cliched and there's like totally unnecessary sex. Like all the reviews of that show, The Idol with, um, isn't it Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp? Oh yeah. And everybody's like, oh my God, it has all these gratuitous sex scenes. I've never wanted to watch something more. <laughs> Like the process of doing something like this takes so long that I'm just wondering, are you even contemplating what another book might be about? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, um, so this has taken so long and in a way this felt like a kind of exorcism. Like, you know, so I'm the type of person if I'm working in my room or something and the bed isn't made, I need to make the bed first before I can get down to my work. This book and these stories somehow were just preoccupying my mind so much that I felt as though if I didn't write them all down and get it all out, and maybe I just should have done more therapy, but if I didn't get it all out, I wasn't going to be able to write anything else. It felt like I needed to get all of this out of the pipe before the water would flow through. You know what I mean? So now that I have this written, I feel like I have I, I have dozens of ideas, but I actually, what I'm working on next is a book about, and it's, I suppose, based on my own story, but it's fiction, a book about a woman who moves to a new town where she doesn't know anybody and she has a baby and she starts she and she starts to think that something very weird is going on in her life and in her neighborhood because all of these weird disturbing scary things start happening and nobody believes her that they're weird everybody's just like oh you're you know you're and so it's kind of about like new motherhood and those feelings of um not knowing what's real and what's in your head and what's in your hormones and what's all these things. Because when I moved over here, uh, two years after I moved over here, I had a baby. So it's kind of based on based on that and those kind of feelings of absolute terror after that baby came out. And also based on the fact that one of my neighbours named her dog the same name as my baby after she met my baby. And that really made me go, people are weird. And that could seem as like, that could seem like a creepy thing that could go into my book. Maybe she'll read your book and start dating men with the same names as the people named in your book. Well, I gave them all fake names. So that'd be fine. <laughs> Except if she dated a Brandon. <laughs> well, if she dated a Brandon spelled the way my Brandon spells his name, she would literally be dating my husband. So then I'd have a problem. Rosemary McCabe's book, This Is Not About You, is available to order now from all bookshops. There are links to where you can buy a copy in the description for today's episode. Rosemary also hosts a podcast with her sister. It's called Not Without My Sister. If you enjoyed today's episode, you will love that podcast. Meet Your Maker is produced by me, Liam Garrity. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.